God where the bridegroom, that's, this is the language of the Bible, who presents God as the bridegroom and the church as the bride, if we don't understand this book as a love letter between the bridegroom and the bride, if we don't understand its passion, its love, its desire, then they are just words on a page, things to tick off, lists to get through, more things to do. If we don't understand this book, this Bible, as an intimate letter from a father to his children, an intimate letter from a father to his daughter, or a father to his son. If we don't understand the love that is poured into this letter and this book, then we're just ticking boxes and getting through another week, day, year. If this book is not driven out of an understanding that is a creator God, who has revealed himself and his heart to us through this book, then it's been meaningless, what we've done in the last 12 months. And to a certain extent, that's what this passage that, we just, that Luke just read brings to the church in Ephesus and in many ways brings to us as a church today. He sort of, if you, read, if you followed what Luke was reading, you read it in the, the first few chapters, he, he encourages the church and he says, guys, you are unbelievable. A little bit like John Chambers getting up here and said, it's unbelievable what you're doing. If you read, you read what it says, I, I look at your hard work, uh, all the things that you're doing, your perseverance. You guys are really passionate about the gospel getting out there and keeping it pure. You, are got, you guys are full of activity. You are on fire and stuff like that. But then he comes to that point, doesn't he, in verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. <laughs> you have forsaken your first love. So all this activity that they're doing, which is, might be really good stuff, if it doesn't come out of a love relationship with the creator of the universe, then he says you may as well not even bother with that. You can be full of activity, guys, but if you don't love me, there's no point. If you're not enamored and captured by me and my love for you, then stop what you're doing. Don't do it. I don't want you to do anything for me unless it comes out of a heart-love connection with me. Because it's the bride to the bridegroom. I just love you so much. I want to be in a relationship with you. And this is my revelation of it. So don't get on about serving me unless it comes out of this first love relationship. I want you to keep first things first and then you can get on to that other stuff and we'll talk a bit about that later. 
And it's interesting, coincidental, I dare not say that. I think it was God's orchestration that it was Valentine's Day yesterday, so I'm going to pick up on that theme. Because I want to pick up on this whole idea of what is it, first love. The first love thing. Um, think about um, that if you're in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. <coughs> Josh, sorry, I forgot to pray for Deborah. Sorry, I don't know why that just came. <laughs> but you can pray for Deborah. I was just thinking of Josh in boyfriend, girlfriend, and Valentine's Day and all that sort of stuff. And just think if you if you've had been in that situation, cast your mind back, however many years it is. And think about all the roses and bears and chocolates and special things and letters and all that sort of stuff that you did when you were first in love. And if you've been around church for a while, you know how this analogy plans, plays out, doesn't it? The way that, you know, that what it means to be captured by our first love and then we get, you know, <laughs> you know, it's you know, like when you first go out that you celebrate one month and then two months and then three months and then four months and then it's, sort of, oh, it's a year. I have to ask Carol, are we up to 22 years now? 20, when was that again? <laughs> that as you sort of get down the track a bit, sort of that, some of that first love stuff, oh, I don't know, it just, it just changes, doesn't it? And you know how the analogy goes for us as Christians, isn't it? When we first encounter God and when we have these experiences with God, there's sort of this love reaction that happens and there's intimacy and stuff that happens. And then as we go down the track, we can start to lose that. And so the question as we engage with this passage, I suppose, is how can we maintain that first love? How can we maintain that, uh, that love connection? And, and, you know, because we talk about it when we, in our, in our marriages or relationships here, don't we? We talk about that we have to work on it. We have to put things in place in order to um, have that connection uh, remi- remain in its vibrancy and, and enthusiasm. And I think, you know, you can play out the scenarios that you put into your relationship or to your marriage into your relationship with God. And you can do some of that in your own, uh, own mind as well. And... So as we start to think about, we're going to play that out a little bit, what that, that looks like. So we're doing that, and hopefully you're doing that a little bit in your heads now, individual. What does that look like for you and God? But here's the other thing. This letter is not written to an individual. So yes, it can apply to us as individuals, but this letter is written to us, as, to, to, the, to a church, to a collective. And so... It comes to us as a collective, as a church, as we, I suppose, begin another year, as we um, head into another year of service, that how are we as a church going to keep rekindling our connection and our love for God? How are we going to keep uh, His love at the center of our church life? And I think um, we started to talk about already that last week, didn't we? How are we going to encourage one another in the truths of who we are and of who God is and who we are because of him? And I think that's that's one way that we do it collectively, that we encourage one another. And and he sort of comes into it in this passage, doesn't he? In verse 5, if you've got it there, see what he sort of says? Remember the height from where you have fallen and repent. So these are the sort of things, how he does it. He wants you to remember, the way that you keep this first love first is that you need to remember what it is. You need to remember its depth of it and remember the extent of it. And, um, 
I started to talk about that last week when we were looking through the, um, the New Testament letters, how Paul continually encourages the churches through theology, through telling them who God is and who they are because of him. And so for us, as we think about that, over the next uh, number of weeks, um, I'm actually going to preach through the book of Ephesians because uh, the book of the letter uh, to the Ephesians actually captures uh, the church in its first love scenario. It actually captures what this church was when it was first falling in love with God and what that looked like and why they were so on fire for God. And so we're actually going to go back and spend probably six or so weeks going through the book of Ephesians, looking at that love letter um, and that interaction between uh, the church and God and why was it that they were so in love with God. And we need to do that. We need to um, remember those things in our personal relationships. I always put this when we're talking about marriage or relationships. Two things um, that I sort of put up there in terms of making your relationship work. And one is, is I use anniversaries or remembering. You need to go back and remember. You need to share the stories with each other. Remember when we did this. Remember when those sorts of things. Remember our wedding day. Remember that time we did this as a couple. Remember what, and you talk about that stuff, and it revitalizes you again. Or it might even be, remember when we went through that hard stuff. Remember we had to come together. Remember how we had to work. And as you remember, you start to, I don't know, get that feeling again and that emotion again and that connection again. So one thing, remembering, and this is what he says here. And the second one is repenting. And I, I say it pretty well at every wedding that I preach at. If you can build your marriage or your relationship on forgiving, uh, giving and receiving forgiveness, I'll guarantee that your marriage will be successful. Giving and receiving forgiveness, if that sort of work together, or your relationship. And, and God comes back to it again. He brings it back together. And so as we work on this love relationship with God, he says, I want you to repent. So ask God for forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. And know that that forgiveness is real so that you can enter into that deep relationship again. Remember um, in your relationships, if you've been in relationships and that you've had a fight and then you uh, restore that relationship, you ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness and remember the love that you feel for each other at that point when forgiveness and, and reconciliation has been brought. It's the same in a relationship with God as we bring and repent of our sins and his love speaks into that as he reminds us of his forgiveness. These are ways that we can... Uh, keep engaging with the love of God. And again, I'm sort of applying this collectively and individually. So we need to practice this amongst each other. Remembering amongst each other what God is doing amongst us as a church, some of our history, uh, some of the dreams for the future we remember and we talk about and we think of the things that God has done amongst us. And we Give, uh, we practice giving and receiving forgiveness as God's people because these are the sort of um, the ways that love is rekindled amongst us and between us and God. Uh, I used to say, how do you maintain a relationship with God? Well, it's the same way that you maintain a relationship with a person. So uh, I'll throw it out there. If anyone's been around, they'll know what I say. Um, how do you maintain a relationship with a person? The basics. Sorry? Time, yep, that's a good one. And what do you do during that time? 
Sorry? Communicate. Yep. What, what, how do you communicate? You listen. Yep. What's the other part of communication? And you speak. Yep. That's, re- that's the basis of how you um, form a relationship is that you take time to listen and speak to one another. That's pretty well it. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again. Because um, as you speak and listen, you get to know and interact with each other. And I say it's the same with God, that uh, if you want to get to know God, you need to speak to him and listen to him. How do we do that? Well, prayer is speaking to, reading the Bible is a listening to, but it's also uh, listening to the work of his spirit in our hearts uh, as well. I've come to change that. I think that that's true, that's by, but um, as I was preparing this and as I've been thinking about this, I think it's, and often when I ask this question, how do you maintain a relationship, people come back to listening, speaking, but then they throw something else in. What do they throw in? I'll see, if I was going to say it's more than listening and speaking, what else is it that keeps a relationship vibrant? Doing dishes. Rob, you are onto it. No, he, he sort of on, he, he, the first bit was right. It's actually doing things together. It's, it's listening, talking, and then doing things together. I had to um, think of this this morning. I said, um, and there's this sense that there's something about the vibrancy of our relationship that, dry, that grows when we do things together, when we go on adventures together. I know that, that for, for Coralyn and myself, and I had to think of, sorry, Jamie and Anna, it's a Facebook photo of you guys down in Point Lonsdale or something like that. And I, they didn't know where they were going or something. I don't know. Anyway, they, they went on an adventure together. Um, and there was this thing of uh, they're in lo- young and in love, and then they go on this adventure. <laughs> sorry, they didn't know that I was going to say all this. Um, but they, they, they said, well, yeah. And I, I thought to myself, backpedal out of that, um, when was the last time you went on an adventure with God? When was the last time that you didn't quite know where it was going to go and you put yourself out there, that you took risks, that you actually did something exciting and enthusiastic with God? And that might be as simple as witnessing about Jesus. Have a think about what happens when you witness to someone about Jesus. There's all sorts of risks involved with that because you don't know quite how it's going to go. And there's this, I'm relying on God. And, and often when you're doing it, you're saying, God, help me here. Give me the words. God, I don't know what I'm saying. God, I need your help here. God, work in this. And can you see what's happening? There's this relationship and you, and you get the sense. And sometimes it doesn't go good and sometimes it does. But there's this sense that God is with you in the middle of the adventure. I think that's part of the reason um, we do short-term mission trips. That as a collective, we go on mission together because there's something about uh, doing the adventure together with God that sees him at work, that connects our relationship and things like that. Life is not all that. Well, actually, because, yeah, no, I want to read. I think life is all of mission. I mean, mission is life. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to continually go on adventures together, whether that's here or over there or wherever. But he wants us to go on adventures with him. And as we do that, we find that our relationship comes alive in him. So do you get the sense of what I'm saying there, that it's the relationships that drives the action in some ways. It's the relationship with God that drives the action, not the other way around. Because I think that's what I do 
and I see many Christians do, and I think it's what the Ephesians were doing, is that they were right into the activity and doing stuff um, and missing that relationship. And so what do they do? They end up doing it. They still do the adventure, but without God. Or he sort of gets tacked on the side and I get more about, I have to do this, I have to organize this, I have to do this. It becomes more about what we're doing individually rather than what we're doing with God collectively. Um, So that's part of uh, the danger there that I think the Ephesian church and we are being confronted with um, this morning. Okay, wrapping this up a little bit. Um, Go to the next, uh, yeah, this one. When is good bad? If you've been married for any length of time, you will know this one, that sometimes you can bring home the bunch of flowers and give it, and it can be (laughs) rejected. When is good bad? Or you do something for your partner that you've spent out and it just goes bad. And I think this is, so I've just put a couple of notes there. When is good bad? Um, I I often quote, there's a a quote that I take of Coraline where she said to me, uh, don't buy me flowers. (laughs) The reason she said don't buy me flowers is sometimes that I can use flowers as a way of uh, shortcutting things or just patching it over or... uh, she, she, you know, you know, what's the line that goes behind that? Only do it if you mean it. Only do it if you, if you think that buying me a bunch of flowers is going to solve this. Well, think again, buddy. <laughs> so, or, what is it? Out of obligation, isn't it? If, if, if it's my birthday, you just rock up with a bunch of flowers. That's too easy, isn't it? Or it's just, oh, you just do it because you have to do it. You get those pictures? It's the same with us and God, isn't it? If you think about, we can end up serving God, trying to do the things of God out of obligation, it not being done out of love, done with a bad attitude. I see it in my life, I see it in the life of the church. And it can in some ways look good from the outside, but yet underneath there's this stuff missing. Is this, you know, ask yourself if you're thinking about serving in the church this year or thinking about this year, or even if you reflect back on last year or the year, is this just what I have to do? Am I just going through the motions and I'm just trying to keep God happy? Am I just. The other one that he throws in here is the, the Nicolaitans that you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, what were they doing? Here's the other thing. If you're not motivated out of a love relationship with a person, you'll do what the Nicolaitans did. What the Nicolaitans were doing is they were taking Christianity and they were mixing it with paganism. So that's like you take a relationship with someone and then you add someone else to it. So if you're not driven out of a love relationship with God, you will start adding things to it and you will start our way of adding things of the world and you'll start um, bringing the things of the world into your relationship with God. We need to be so in love and enamored with God that nothing else would enter that relationship. And if we've let things enter that relationship, and if you think what that might be, that might be your own ego, it might be money, it might be family, it might be whatever that's, that stops you in that love relationship. 
And if we don't have that love relationship and some of the stuff that I was telling you about, Coralant, what is it? It's, it's basically a mediocre effort, isn't it? Bringing the flowers here or the box of chocolate is just a mediocre effort. Not, oh, that'll do. If we don't have that love, first love relationship, that's what our service in the church can look like. And I know I've done that. And I've seen it in our church as well. And so this year as we go through um, the year and particularly over the next number of weeks, months, I want to focus on rekindling that first love with God. That we would be a church that is driven by our intimate relationship with our loving God. And that we wouldn't do anything unless it was built on that love relationship with God. And I think we as a church need to get back to that. I know I need to. And I've spoken to others that are saying the same. And so for the next number of weeks, months, we're going to have a bit of a look at, at that. I'm going to just stop there. Um, I know that we as a, a church council have been wrestling with this as a church or as a church council, thinking, asking ourselves these questions. Are we keeping the first love, first love? Are we keeping focused on the things that God wants us to do as a church? And so I'm actually going to hand over to Andrew, and he's going to come. Um, I will flick to the next slide. And he's going to um, just talk a little bit about some of the journey that we as a church council have uh, taken as we look through this year. Thanks, Andrew. Ooh. So um, I'll find a segue here. We're, um, it's interesting that, that Glenn was uh, speaking on this this week and we were talking about it in the office in, and looking at how, the, like Glenn said, how the Ephesian church um, in Ephesians, was they had discovered what Paul had given them, that Paul had sort of said, this is what you're here for. You know, this is what you're, you're creating. You're making disciples. You're going out and, and doing, you know, and doing what, what God's called you to do. And when you're focused on that, um, you're being successful and you're doing well. And, and he reminds them of all the wonderful things that, that God had given them. And, and then we see, like Glenda just shared, where you get into Revelation, where you begin to see some of those things fall away. Um, as, as leadership in the church, too, just thinking through some of this stuff um, as a church, looking at the church and, and asking some of the big questions, you know, are we still doing... As a church, what God's called us to do, are, are, we, you know, are we still doing that? You know, um, not that we're, we're ever disobedient, um, but are we still doing the same things in the same ways? Are we still doing what God's called us to do? How are our people doing as part of this church? And you know, the demographic of the church changes and people come in. Um, are people growing? Are we growing as a church, as, as a collective? Are people growing um, as individuals? And towards the end of last year, as, as we got together as leadership and we began to plan for the year ahead, we were asking some of these questions ourselves. And we were seeing um, things and hearing things like, you know, it, it can be hard to get volunteers. There's a lot on in our church. There's a lot of great stuff that's happening, but it can be hard to get volunteers. Um, there are lots of names on, on multiple lists of activities and, and sometimes a lot of the same names. 
we saw lots of really good activity, but we were asking the question, are we actually growing? We're doing a lot of stuff, but are we actually growing? Are we growing numerically? Are we growing spiritually? Are we growing um, as individuals and as a church in that, in that purpose that, that God has for us as a church? Are we achieving the purpose that God has for us as a church? And, and what even is our purpose? And, and during this time, we, we came across a book called Simple Church, and, and it resonated with a lot of, of what we were asking, a lot of things that we were dealing with, and a lot of things that we were experiencing in our church at the moment, and we were hearing from the community. So in reading it and, and thinking and, and praying through it, we felt that God might have something to say to us here. And the basic premise of this book is that a church should have a clear, and not too wordy, but just a clear purpose and have a process that achieves that purpose for the individuals and for the church that, that has growth and progress levels. And then, then each program, each, each name on list or each thing that we do each, um, fits and plays a part in achieving that purpose and fits into one of those process steps. And I was trying to think of an analogy how you would, how you would think of that. And, and I came up with so many analogies, and because I'm a car person, I come up with a car person, but I always do that, so that I won't do that today. I kind of think of a child. When you have a child, and I look at the school system, you know, the, the school system, the purpose of the school system is to, to get a child from, from not knowing much to someone that is an independent person that's educated and that can become... Uh, who they're supposed to be. And we would love to think, particularly in our Christian schools, of who God meant them to be. And so there's a process. You know, the child is, is taken through that process and all the programs that a school, various schools would put on, all meet some part of that process, you know. Like we've got our kids in, in, in prep and, and the pro and a program there might be colouring and drawing and, 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 and skills and, and motor skills. And so they don't do, you know, methods, maths methods in primary school because it doesn't fit that part of the process. But that child is going to get there and there's always this process. And I think the premise of the book works the same way. We look at where does God want us to go as a church? What is our purpose? Do we have a process in place for individuals and for a church that's measurable that we can see that you're going through the process, that we're moving through the process? And do our programs actually answer what's needed in those processes? So that's a lot of bit detail. One of the things they mention... In, in the book is that, and, and they surveyed like 400 churches, the churches that have been in existence for a while, and they quoted something like 20 to 25 years, tend to get busy, complicated, having added many good programs over time, but potentially lose direction on what their purpose is. So churches grow wider and not forward. And that was their experience. And this year, we want to take some time to have a look at what we're doing and assess if we need to refocus on what God has called us to do. Maybe it's time to do a bit of a spring clean, um, to renovate a few things and all these analogies like defragging the hard disk. One, one, I was talking to one person and you, know, sort of you wouldn't have a computer for 20 years without cleaning out some of the stuff and, and sorting it out. As a church, we'd like to take this year to do that fairly, fairly seriously and that's why we wanted to talk about this here in church. We want to take time as a leadership but also as a whole congregation talking to you the whole year and every step, meeting with you one-on-one, -on -one, coming to your small groups, coming to your ministry teams, um, sharing with you. As leadership, we want to do that and talk together with you to assess what we're doing. We don't want to particularly start new things, 
but just stay focused on the things that, that we're doing right now, that we might be doing well or might not, that will that'll come out of the box. And try collectively to understand what God has called us to do and how we can do that uh, and bless the community here in Scoresby. When you think of the word simple church, you know, simplifying church is, a unif- is unifying us around a simple pers- purpose and a simple process. However, simple does not mean easy. You know, first thing is, oh, simple, that's easy. Simple doesn't mean easy. Perhaps it just means a greater focus. This process won't be easy, but we feel convicted that we can and we can, and we can do this together. So we're going to be talking to you in the next few weeks, like Glenn said, next few weeks, months, You might get someone just chatting to you after church. You might see someone at your small group. And we're going to ask you things like, you know, what would you say the purpose of our church is? Do you see a clear process that we have in place that helps you and helps the church to get there? Do you think we're too busy? Are there things that we're doing that are critical to our purpose? Are there things that we're doing that are not critical? And we want to hear from you. What do you you think? And so please pray for yourself not just pray for us as leadership, pray for us as a church as we work through this process. We want to get to the point where we're back to our first love, our purpose, and discovering what we're doing for God and what God's called us to do. And we want to do that together. And I think we can with God's help. So I'm going to pass over to Glenn and he's going to lead us in another bit. Thanks. Uh, Sunday is uh, marked in our calendar um, as a ministry launch. And usually if you've been around this church for a while, when we have a ministry launch, uh, usually you'd look around the side and you would see uh, or tables or booths or things set up around the sides. And you'd probably after the service see uh, leaders of ministry with clipboards and lists and names and stuff like that. As we sort of get into another year, sort of seeing what you're doing and how you're doing it and who's going to be part of what. And uh, some of that's already um, sort of happening as we sort of get into this year's thinking. But this morning, we just wanted to um, bring that back to some of the stuff that we've just been talking about. That this year, as we think about ministry launch, as we think about launching into another year of being God's people for God's purpose, that we would actually just sign up to Jesus <laughs> this week. And that we'd just sign up to God and being His. And that we would sign up to pursuing a deep and intimate and love relationship with him, individually and collectively. And that this year, before we get into doing anything else, what our focus is going to be on is walking with our Lord and and loving him, knowing his love and responding in love. And the other one, so so there's two tables at the front. And so um, we sort of want to do that collectively. A little bit sort of what Andrew uh, talked about too is that we, we sign up to Jesus being our first love this, this year and that we also sign up to... Um, so we're doing that individually and collectively so that as a church, we want to discover that. So I'm going to do it individually. I'm going to have Jesus my first love and I want to know what that looks like and I'm going to work with that as a church but for us as a church as well we're going to discover what is God's purpose for us what does he want us to do as his people how does the fact that he has brought us together as his people here in Scoresby what does that mean for us and what and that you would 
um, possibly sign up just to being part of that process. Being part of helping us collectively discover what God wants uh, us to be as his church. And so um, we're going to do that this morning, going to give you opportunity to do that. I, could, I was thinking of the whole sort of, you know, you know, at the end of marriage service, you know, you have the signing of the register and stuff like that. Why do they do that? Because it's actually a symbolic thing of a commitment, a love commitment. And so that's, we're not going to hold these up and sort of, you know, keep them framed or anything like that. But we want to use this as a physical response uh, to loving God and helping us as a church discover um, God's purpose for us uh, today. So we're going to, um, what I'm going to do is, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come up and if you want to sign, this side here is signing up for uh, helping our church discover our purpose um, and our reason for being. And this one here is, I'm signing up to put Jesus first and I'm going to have uh, my first love rekindled and I'm going to do what I can uh, this year to see that happen. So before we do that, I'm just going to pray for us and ask God to lead us in that. So let's pray. Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would move by your Spirit in us, your church. And Lord, as we look forward to another year, Lord, that we would be rekindled in our love for you, that we would rediscover your love for us in new and amazing ways, and that would rekindle our love and our joy, and our hope, and desire for you. So Lord, we ask that you would move that in each of us, individually, by the power of your Spirit. And Father God, that collectively, as your people, as your family, as your bride, that you would move amongst us, and that you would help us to discover your purpose for your church here at One Hope Community Church. And Lord, as we go on that journey this year, we ask for your Spirit's power to work through us collectively as we seek you and your will for us as your church. So Lord, as we come into this time, will you move in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask maybe the youth ministry team, for, to, uh, sorry, youth band to come up and then they're going to come up and if you come first and then just sort of all of us come forward wherever you want to sign and um, then they're going to sing we're going to sing a song together as we do this okay and this song is uh, cornerstone because it's uh, putting the foundation of Christ as the center of this church Christ is the center of our lives uh, as we do that and during this song as we sing if you would like to come forward and sign these things there you go, Wado's leading the way. Good. So uh, music, uh, youth band, if you want to come forward and on your way up, if you want to sign, this one over here is signing up for the church process and this one is signing up for Jesus being our first love. Um, and then we're going to go into this uh, time of singing. I think what I might do is just get us to sing, uh, sit down as we sing this and just to use this time as a bit of an interaction with God um, as we sort of sing the song, um, come up and sign and uh, have a bit of an interaction with God during this time. <laughs> 